The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta. And we're here with a very special guest. He is Mississippi State legend, former first round draft selection. Is that good? You tell me. It is my pleasure to welcome Minnesota Twins outfielder, Brent Rooker, to the Officially Unofficial Podcast. How are we, Brent? Doing good. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm fired up for this. And the reason why I'm fired up for this is because you're a type of guy who's not scared to let it fly on Twitter. And that's why I respect the hell out of you. And honestly, funny story. We've actually played COD together before. We have a, we have a mutual friendship here. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew about uh, the Jake connection, but I didn't realize we played together. It's actually, it's more, it's, it, we go deep. I mean, we go deep, Brett. I mean, I'm really good friends with Kevin Smith. So me and you have. Oh, we played with Kev too. Yes. Me and you and Kevin have actually okay. played. We've been okay. in the trenches before just absolutely yeah, grinding. So out, we, huh? we already have, we have a pre, I mean, we have a, we have a friendship here that starts, started years ago. So that's just why I needed to get you on. But I wanted to go on to the Twitter thing because People like to chirp you with these little witty things going on on Twitter here. At what point were you like, fuck it, I'm going to start flying these shit, flying this shit back at them? When did you, when did you just want to start doing that? I've always kind of been like that. I mean, it's, it, there's obviously a line, right, between just kind of having fun and, and giving heat back to people who give it to you first. And then, I mean, you don't, you never want to be a jerk to anybody or anything like that. But I mean, when people kind of come at you with, with kind of no reason or just, you know, out of the blue or with what you feel is unjustified, you know, it's never, it's never a bad thing to just give a little bit of heat back and fire back a little bit. But like I said, there's a line. I try to get as close to the line as I can without ever crossing it. And I think it's just, you know, Twitter is a good place to, to interact with fans. There's the cool thing about it is there's always more good people than bad people. It's just the bad people are more vocal about it. Right. So you gotta, you gotta kind of filter out who you, uh, who you interact with. It's a cool place to kind of do some of that. So I have a request because I'm a massive Brent Rooker guy. Now you come on the show. I stand up for you now on all, I will put people in body bags on Twitter. If you need me to do it, <laughs> can you see, see me? If you see a chirp that a tweet, that's kind of out of line to you. I, all I want you I to do you. is just CC a fish on a fish pod. That's all I'm asking. I got and then I, I, yeah, I, I will that. be like that guard dog that's just ready to attack at any time. So you just CC me. If you see a tweet where it's like, all right, this is tiptoeing past the line here. I'm going to CC my guy who has nothing to lose. He'll come at you. <laughs> that's what we'll do. So For just sure. Remember that. For just sure. Start, I can do that. Yeah. Just start CCing me because I respect, I love, I'm all in on it. Like I said, I told Luplo, I told Kevin Smith, I told all these guys, if anyone comes at you on Twitter, I will take the bullet. I will be that guy. And the tweet that I saw was, was this Chandler clown on Twitter who said, as an honest lifelong twins fan, I say trade him plus happy birthday. And then you were yeah. like, you could have just said happy birthday. <laughs> right. Like I didn't, I didn't get that. It was like, I mean, there's just no reason for the first part for that. Just if you want to say happy birthday to me, just say happy birthday. There's no need for anything else. Like no one's asking your opinion on how good I am or like what my value is as a team at that point. They're just announcing it's my birthday. So if you want to say happy birthday, say happy birthday, but there's no need to add anything else. And you're also on like a, you're at the point right now where you're on a massive fuck you tour because obviously everyone knows how good you are. And I mean, you're a dog. If you look at your stats at Mississippi State and the minors, you obviously can mash. 
It's just uh, adjusting a big league pitching. So how have you gone to the pettiness of like writing down maybe some of these tweets or remember or pinning some of this shit where it's like, all right, when I start figuring this shit out, I'm going to start body bagging people on Twitter. Are you that guy? <laughs> no, no, I haven't done that. Most of the people, like I said, most of the negativity on Twitter isn't really worth the time of day. It's just kind of a couple of times you feel the need to kind of fire back a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I hope those people that when I do find success and I have success that I want to have, that those are the people that are, you know, kind of turn and are cheering me on. That'd be great if I could flip some opinions and flip some minds. That's kind of the goal and what we all want to do. So, um, you know, I, well, I'll use, I'll remember the tweets and obviously use them for a little bit of internal motivation and stuff like that. But I, I don't think I'll go externalize it and kind of go into revenge tour or anything like that. Yeah, the best one obviously was when you did when you said now do your career stat line and you actually right. made a guy delete his tweet like he deleted like it's out yeah. of the universe now. He it's blocked just like, me too. He blocked you. Yeah, that guy blocked me. He's like a Twins fan account. He just blocked me immediately, which is kind of a little harsh for the play. He could at least recognize the humor in the situation, but yeah, he just auto blocked me and kind of you know didn't want to deal with me anymore. I guess. There's one guy actually who's obviously a Toronto legend. Me and him actually talked on Twitter spaces and he was all, I mean, humble brag. He was all in on me. This guy loves me. Josh Donaldson. He said, he's going to come on the podcast. No idea what this guy's doing. What's your relationship with Josh? Like, because listen, I, I was making this guy laugh. I told him I'd give him my firstborn child, whatever he wanted. What's your relationship <laughs> like with Josh? JD's awesome. I can get on him a little bit if you need me to to get him on. Get here. on. Start um, start we, attacking. Yeah. We need right, we need all, right, all hands on that. deck. I'll, I'll I'll put a little bug in his ear and see if we can get him to come on. <laughs> and dude, he's electric, man. I mean, what's it like playing with the guy? Like, do you ever realize like sit back and look at him and just be like, I don't re- like you don't really realize it, but this guy wasn't like was he owned the baseball world. He's an MVP. He owns the city of Toronto. Probably a statue in the next couple of years. So do you ever just like playing when a playing with a guy like that? Do you realize you're playing with like a legitimate legend in the game of baseball? Yeah. Um, honestly, all the time. Um, there was so many times I'd be sitting in the dugout just kind of watching him hit and he does some things in the box, whether it's like approach wise or kind of the way he plans out at bats or, or thinks through a bat and things like that. Not even mention some things he does with his body and his swing, which are crazy and just kind of anomalies in the way he can move and control his body and things like that. But I just sit back and watch him hit and just be like, man, this guy is like, this guy is really, really good. Obviously, he's had he had an MVP year in 2015 where he's literally the best baseball player on the planet, which is crazy. And you can still watch him even five, six years later. Some things he does are, are amazing and so easy to learn from. And he's so willing to talk about it. Um, whatever kind of questions you have regarding hitting or baseball in general, you know, he's more than willing to sit down and talk and talk at length with you to try to help you become a better player. So he's an awesome guy to have in the clubhouse. And Honestly, it's really cool, like you were talking about, it's really cool to just kind of sit back and watch him work sometimes because he's, he's one of the best hitters in the last several years. And the level of consistency he performs with when he's on the field is amazing. And let's go back to Mississippi State because we've had a guy on the podcast who some may say, actually, I'm growing the friendship with here, Adam Frazier. Where yeah. would you would you rank yourself? Like, let's say humble brag here. Let's let's be a little bit like self cocky here for a second. If you're making a Mississippi <laughs> State all team, like all like in the history, like an all time team, yeah, are you putting yourself on that team? And you could be like, let's be cockier for a second. Your stats are absurd. I think you at three sixty five your junior year. So are you placing yourself on that roster? Yeah, I hit three eighty seven here. So don't short me as twenty seven. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can, I can, I can unbiasedly say I think I'm on that team. Um, you know, positionally, we'll see where things work out because I played first in college, and you got some pretty good first baseman um, to to work with. But you know, we got corner outfield spots, we got a DH. I can say I comfortably squeeze into that lineup. I think if we're going all time starting nine, I think you find somewhere to put me, and I think I'm pretty comfortably in there. Because Frazier's a humble guy, obviously, right? I mean, is is there yeah. a, is there local legends going on or stories about when Frazier was there? Because obviously, we're talking about a guy here that's hitting three hundred pretty much consistently in the show. A guy that yeah. mashes. Is he? Was he? Just did, Adam, a guy, did he a say? Legend? Did Adam say he wasn't on that team? Did he say he wouldn't be on that team? Did you ask him the same? No, question? no, no. I didn't ask him the all time okay, team okay, because okay. obviously Frazier. Yeah. We were. I was getting a feel for him. Obviously, he's a fellow short yeah. king like me. We're both under the under five ten. Some may say. So I was trying to get a little feel for it, but he's he's on that team, obviously. But what oh, was? Yeah, is there legends of him like like stories of him going like eight for eight there? Is he like a legend? Like, is there pictures of him everywhere there? Oh yeah, I mean he had the what he had the super regional game against Virginia. He was six for six, I think, right? He had 
just crazy averages every single year. And, and one of the more consistent guys that I was – obviously, I missed him by one year. He got drafted the year before I got there. But watching him in high school, just one of the more consistent hitters I've ever seen. And, and you can see that the way it's continued in the big leagues, just professional at bat after professional at bat. Um, you know, never gives away at bats. He's, he's competitive every single time. That's the way he's always been. Um, and it's, it was really fun to watch even when I was in high school watching him play at Mississippi State. Another honest question here, and like I said, this is a truth circle. Are you hated in the state of Tennessee? Like, I mean, wh so what's going on there? Why weren't you a Vol? Like, why, what, what was the deal there? Mississippi State or did, were the Vols not knocking? Yeah, so um, I wanted to go to Tennessee, honestly, in high school. That's where I wanted to go, um, and they didn't, they didn't have any scholarship money for me. They told me I could walk Yikes. on if I wanted to, um, and that's, that's as good as they could do. And then Mississippi State obviously had some scholarship money, and I had never been to Starkville, and kind of once you get down there and, and go to a baseball game there, um, it sells itself. Um, so the combination of, of those two things – um, kind of led me to Starkville, and I tell the story. It's funny. Mississippi State was like the first bigger program to actually give me a scholarship offer, and at the time, I didn't think I was good enough to play there. So I committed pretty quick, being like, "I think I fooled these guys somehow. I don't really think I have any business playing in the SEC, but I tricked them, and now they're going to give me money. So I'm just going to commit before they can take it away." Um, and that was the decision I made. And obviously, the coaching staff saw things in me that I didn't even see in myself at the time that ended up working out. And um. I couldn't be more thankful for it because it was, you know, an incredible four years. And I think it's the best college baseball program in the country. It's, I mean, I've heard nothing but great things. And one of our guys also is brothers there. You want to talk about a legend. David Bednar is a really good friend of the yeah. show. His brother, Will. I mean, is, yeah. that, is that guy going to pay for a drink ever when he goes there? That guy, <laughs> he put his balls on the table every time he stepped on the mound. Dude, that was fun to watch. The way he pitched in the postseason, especially in Omaha, was awesome. Um, he made himself a lot of money those two starts the college World series and he also got a national championship so it was a lot of good stuff going on so are you going like are do you go back there a lot are you one of those alumni that'll go to the football game decked out and like i don't even know what the like what's the color how, how do, maroon. Maroon, maroon sorry maroon, maroon are you, are you yeah. one of the guys that's decked out in the maroon that everyone's all the old guys are pulling out like i saw brent rooker put a baseball over that scoreboard there telling stories about you I hadn't been back in a couple of years. Uh, we've got a three-month-old now, so that kind of makes it more difficult to travel um, this offseason. So I don't think be, I'll be able to get down there this year either. But I do when I'm able to go back. I love it. The, it's a very, very college town. It's a very small town atmosphere, so everybody kind of knows everybody, especially ex-athletes and things like that. So it's an awesome place to go back to a football game or a baseball game or whatever it is. I know a lot of guys take advantage of that. I haven't been able to get down in the last few years, which I don't like. Um, but it's a place that I'll always consider home and always look forward to getting back when I can. Well, see, Frazier said, because obviously I'm Canadian, when you think of like these massive schools in the U.S., like the state schools, you think of all these this party scene and all that kind of stuff. I'm actually a University of Michigan fan, so I just won a Big Ten championship. Congratulations. Congrats. To me. Yeah. Thank you. Right. I appreciate that. Very yeah, cool. the, the hoodie's Very over cool. there. The hoodie's over there. I was actually <laughs> at the game, believe it or not. I was at the game two weeks ago, eight hour drive. Credit to me for doing it. But Frazier said Mississippi State's not a party school. What's the deal with that? Why is it just like a low key town, or what's the deal with that? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, the bar scene is very like smaller, kind of more intimate bars, I guess. Not really like big party club type scene like you think of. Like Alabama has some of those, and Ole Miss has some things like that. It's just the nature of the city is is very blue collar, very laid back, very small town vibes. It's just a little bit a little bit different feel than most of the bigger state schools in the South, which um, to me is more about my vibe. And I, I, it's one of the reasons I love this so much. I think is just because it's more a little more down to earth, a little more low key. And like I said, it's a very kind of family oriented feel where you feel like you kind of know everybody you see, and uh, that makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, no, Mississippi State, I mean, their football team's dead to me. I have bet on them a couple times, and they've absolutely <laughs> blown the door, got their doors blown off. I think it was Kentucky this year, actually. I bet on I bet on them, and they won. I think they beat Kentucky. So, I mean, there's a couple. Yeah, of, we uh, – Yeah, right? They beat our Kentucky. season this year tended to be we won some games. We won the games we weren't supposed to, and some games we were supposed to win we didn't play as well. Like the Egg Bowl. Season, I think. Like that yeah. Egg Bowl game was one of the worst games I think I've ever watched. I, like, yeah, they, it was tough. Just, just no showing up, none of it, no heart. You hate to see it. I mean, being you're six foot three, two twenty five. I mean, were you ripping around football when you were in high school? You had to, right? Yeah, I played. I played quarterback in high school. Um, that's honestly what I thought I was going to do in college up until probably my junior year, uh, late in my junior year, really my junior baseball season. So after my junior football season was kind of when I realized I was probably going to play baseball um, after Mississippi State offered. But up until that point, I kind of thought football was going to be my route to college, and then I was going to try to do that because. 
that's honestly what I enjoyed doing more at the time. And I thought I was probably better at it. So um, yeah, up until Mississippi State offered, I kind of thought that's what I was going to do. But like I said, it ended up, ended up working out and then I kind of committed to Mississippi State thinking that I tricked somebody. And I don't know why they offered me, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And it, it, it ended up being the best thing I could have done. So what kind of star are we talking here recruit wise as a quarterback? Are you like a two star, three star? Like what, what were you? Or even if you, there was a rating on you? I don't think I ever got any stars. I went on some visits to like some FCS schools, some low level D1 schools, things like that. Um, I got, after I committed to Mississippi State, um, the recruiting coordinator called me, the football recruiting coordinator called me and wanted me to walk on uh, the Mississippi State <laughs> football team and try to do both. And I was like, ah, you know, that seems really hard. <laughs> I don't really know if I'm going to. If I want to walk on the football team and be a scout team tackling dummy for four years while also trying to play baseball. So I think I'll just stick to the baseball thing. But I mean, I was okay. Um, uh, like I said, so an FCS program, something like that, probably would have been where I fit in a, a smaller D1 school I could have competed at and had some success, but nowhere, any, nothing anywhere near uh, the level I could have played baseball at. Yeah, and you want to talk about persistency. I mean, the Minnesota Twins legitimately drafted you twice. So was there was the second time they're like, we're not fucking this one up. We're gonna pick you again, or was it just like <laughs> you kind of fell on their on their lap there in that first round? Or was that one of the teams that was just always interested in you from the get go since high school? Yeah, um, I didn't get a ton of interest in high school, but the, the Twins were definitely the ones most interested after my redshirt sophomore year when they picked me thirty uh, eighth round and. Uh, even though I got drafted late, we had some discussions once I got up to the Cape, um, you know, scouting coordinators came up to see me and just kind of sit down and talk about, you know, what the kind of offer would have to look like to get me to sign. And um, they got close to the number I was looking for, but didn't quite get all the way there. So I decided to go back to school. And then I kind of just forced people's hand that last year, right? Like I played well enough to not really give people the choice. It's either you're going to pay me what the pick is worth or you're not going to be able to sign me. And that's, that's, what, that's what I was able to do. And going into draft day, I kind of knew there were three or four teams we were probably looking at. Um, realistically taking me early and the twins were one of those. And I happened to happen to be there when they were picking and I, I loved it. It's a great organization. Everybody, all the people there are awesome. So um, yeah. I couldn't be, couldn't be happy that it worked out the second time. So to put things into perspective, I'm a big, the office guy. So at the start you were Pam and Jim, right? I mean, realistically what was happening, you were obviously taken by Mississippi state, but the twins wanted you, the twins wanted to pick you up, but you were taken. So they, they respectfully waited until you became single just like Jim did, and then they picked you back up. So it's just – it's one of the most romantic things I've ever seen when a team drafts someone legitimately twice. Because usually yeah, there's cool. – Yeah, there's usually there's, like, bad blood there, right? Like, if Yeah, no, it was, it was it was very cool. This was the same – obviously the same um, – it was a different front office, a different GM. Thad and Derek had just gotten there um, this, for my second draft. But it was the same scouting coordinator, a bunch of the same amateur scouts. So I was able to talk to the same people, which was really cool too. So being a Brunton Rooker guy and now a Mississippi State fan for baseball, like I said, I'm going to claim them as my team. Who's one team I should hate? Like, who's one team that in the SEC where you're like, I, if when I see those colors, when I see those fans, I hate them still to this day. Like, what school is that for you? Uh, it's all mess. It's all mess for any Mississippi State fan. That's the big <laughs> rivalry, which sucks. A little bit because Ole Miss has the baby blue uniforms, right? And yes. that's what, like, you see, like, that's the exact Ole Miss uniform that they wear, baby blue. Exactly. We, just happen to have it. we happen to have it in Minnesota, too. And I think I look really good in it, which kind of sucks. And a lot of people, a lot of Mississippi State fans don't like when they sit anywhere in the powder blue. But um, it's Ole Miss is, is the big rivalry. Um, a lot of a lot of in-state tension. Um, obviously, both are really good programs. Both have had a lot of success the last few years. So the rivalry of the games get pretty heated and it's pretty fun. Yeah, no, I love the I love the Egg Bowl rivalry. I love it. But so just to, like to explain to people that don't understand the rivalry, would Mississippi State be like the blue collared people, and like the Ole Miss is like the rich preppy school in the state, which which is like full of the like hypothetically the sororities, the frats, all like the rich kids. Is that like the, that's, the comparison? yeah? That's, no, that's exactly correct. When you look at the when you probably look at the non-athlete population of the school, Mississippi State is the in-state school that gets the more Mississippi kids. And then Ole Miss gets a lot of Dallas and a lot of Nashville. So there's a wow. lot of – That sounds like a good time, out of, there's, there's a lot of <laughs> – yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's a, <laughs> it's a good place to go. But there's a lot of out-of-state money, a lot more out-of-state money, I'd say, being poured into Ole Miss, whereas Mississippi State is definitely the more – I mean, it's originally an agriculture school, right? I originally found that it was Mississippi A&M. So it's, it's an agriculture school. It's a turf management school. Um, it, that's kind of the strong point is a lot of the, a lot of the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
like specially designed types of grass used in like Dodger Stadium and a bunch of NFL stadiums. All those things are designed in Mississippi State in our ag program. So that's kind of one of our strengths. Um, definitely more blue collar, more in state, whereas Ole Miss is definitely preppier, more out of state money coming in from bigger cities, kind of coming in for the the party scene, like you mentioned. I'm fascinated with American schools. Like, obviously, I mean, I went to, I went to junior college in Nebraska. I'm going to get roasted for mentioning it because I did every podcast, but it's nothing like what the what the fuck you guys were dealing with. I mean, SEC <laughs> football and being on the baseball team and some guys we've had on that went to SEC schools, they say like their coaches are like, you are not going to these games. Would you guys get like a Saturday off to be able to, let's just say, hypothetically have a couple, maybe tailgating to get that full SEC experience? So we would never get Saturdays off in the fall, really. Um, but uh, our coaches would do a good job working around the games, right? So if there's a 2.30 kickoff or something, we would practice early that morning to get, a, to get us out in time um, to, get to, the, to get to the tailgate and get to the football games. That's all part of the experience, right? I mean, when you, when you have recruits coming in town on Saturdays, that's how you get them to come to school is take them to the football games at most SEC schools. So you can't really miss them. Um, so yeah, our coaching staff's always did a really good job kind of working around the schedule and, and, and making sure that we had the opportunity to go to the football games and, and be a, be a student and, and enjoy the tailgate scene and things like that as much as we could. I respect that. I mean, obviously let me, you were there for three years. You probably had a couple good tailgates here. What was the most electric tailgate game that you went to? I'm going to say besides the egg bowl, obviously the egg bowl is just like a genuinely, like that's when the most fans are there and stuff like that. But what was like the most high intensity, high stakes game that you went to or tailgated for your whole career there? Yeah. So the 2014 season, we were number one for, we're the first number one team in the college football playoff rankings when Dak was there and he was tearing it up. We had, I think Auburn come into town. I think they were number two and we played, it was like a one versus two game in Starkville. And that was one of the crazier environments I can remember. I don't know if they're number two. They're really highly ranked. It was one of our first games as a number one team. So they came in and I obviously sold out stadium, um, electric atmosphere. One of the more fun, one of the more fun football games I can remember. The cowbells were going, it was as loud as loud as could possibly be. And it was, it was an awesome environment. It was uh, really fun to be a part of. So you're a Dak guy, right? Is that, is that where yeah. we're going to establish? Yeah. Okay. No, I can respect. I mean, I'm not, a, I hate the Cowboys. I hate Cowboys fans, period. But I can respect the, if you're a Dak guy, I will respect it. I'll, I'll put my, uh, my differences aside. I do hate Cowboys fans, AKA Skip Bayless, who's the biggest clown on planet earth, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just fine to me. And then, so you go, you go first round and we obviously humble brag here. We've had a, a lot of first rounders on the podcast. We get some funny stories of shit. They've bought the dumbest things they've bought with their money. What was the dumbest thing you bought? Or are you such a blue collar guy? It was just immediate savings. Do you buy anything stupid? I don't think I bought anything stupid. What I bought, I bought a car, but I mean, I bought like, I bought a forerunner. So it's like a reasonable purchase, right? I didn't go out and (laughs) blow $150,000 on a car. I bought a Toyota. It was tempting though. That was tempting. You got to be honest here. You were looking at it. Yeah, for sure. But you know, I bought what I think is a pretty reasonable, practical car. Um, and then I honestly, I don't, what did I, I mean, I bought some, like some clothes that were probably just too expensive. Like this, this is like a shirt that I don't need probably and things like that. Some small things, but there was, I didn't make any big dumb purchases to proud of myself for You know, most of it got put away and then went to a down payment on a house a year later, which is a big one, but I really don't, you know, I don't think I bought anything dumb. I'm sure if I asked my, my wife, who was my girlfriend and fiance at the time, um, she would have a different opinion of saying some things I bought were probably well, pretty dumb. I mean, golf, the, the, golf clubs and things like that. But I mean, that, that those were going to happen. There was no, there was no big, like super expensive dumb purchase. I don't think that was right around the release of like the M3 M2 driver. So like, I'm, I'm assuming you were probably ripping around. As, yeah. Ripping yeah. Around I mean, I've, I've, bought, I've spent my fair share of money on golf clubs and that's kind of my thing. Um, but no, no, I, I, I don't think that's stupid. I don't know. Some people may think it is, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's no, a that's power have. Right. It's an absolute power move. And then your first year in the minors, and we always talk about absolute towns where you wouldn't wish upon your worst enemy. You played <laughs> in, how do you know how to say this? Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabethon? Elizabeth Elizabethon? Elizabethon is how you would say it. Elizabethon. What Elizabeth, in the fuck? Where is that? What is that? That is, that is far east Tennessee um, in the Appalachian Mountains, up probably an hour and a half further northeast than Knoxville and just kind of the middle of the Appalachian Mountains, very small town. Every town in that league is like that. Elizabeth and Bristol, Jesus Johnson Christ. City, Bluefield. I mean, it's a – so the last game I play in college is a super regional at LSU and there's 15,000 people there. We're playing on ESPN. 
And then the first, um, you know, your first pro ball game was in Elizabeth in Tennessee in front of like 14 people in a stadium <laughs> that like holds a hundred if it's maxed out. And then just, it's just a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty drastic world change there um, from the, your last, last game of the SEC to your first game of pro ball. But uh, a lot of really good people in that town. They did a good job running the team. Uh, it was, I think at the time it was like, the longest tenured minor league team, like owned by one team or something like that. So it had Jesus. a really long history with the twins. A lot, everybody played there. That league got cut and the, the minor league um, cuts that were made last year. So they're now a collegiate wood bat league, but I was there for like three weeks. So not a terribly long time, but some really good people there. And it was, you know, it was, it was an, an enjoyable experience. I'll say that for the short time I was there. So what towns did you visit where you're like, I can't either stay in this hotel because there's blood on the sheets or shit like that. Like what was one town you visited where it's like, I will never come here ever again, because we've had some funny ass stories on this podcast of towns. And I think it was the A system Beloit, Wisconsin's one of them. Um, There's a couple others, obviously there's a couple in Iowa. What was one town you visited where it's like, man, I'm never fucking coming back here again. My AirPods died. It's all good. I should have been more prepared for this. It's all good. No, so so yeah. What was one of the towns that you visited where it was like the worst town of all time? Maybe like hypothetically the worst field, worst locker room, worst anything. Where it's like I'm never fucking coming back here again. So, in that league, um, does it sound okay? By the way, yeah, no, it sounds great. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds fucking dynamite. Perfect. In that league, whatever city the Royals are in, Burlington. I think it's Burlington, Virginia. I think that was the worst place that I went. Um, just like nothing there. Stayed at like a brutal Motel 6. Uh, uh, not even a Motel 6, but like something like that. The Econo Lodge or something like that. It was <laughs> terrible. It was hot. I mean, it was hot as you, hot as you can imagine. The stadium was terrible. It just, that. I mean, that whole league is kind of like your introduction to pro ball. So obviously you're not being spoiled or, or glamored up or anything. But I think that was probably the worst place that i visited i got lucky honestly with my affiliates i missed i didn't go to the midwest league um which i've heard has some pretty tough spots to play in that's where the Boyd is and the towns like that i see i went from elizabethan for three weeks and then i went to the florida state league which is all the spring training parks right so like they can't be that bad i mean there's some cities that aren't great in inner yeah. florida but i mean the stadiums are all are all nice because they're being the spring training ones and then played at chattanooga which is the southern league which is which is fun. Mobile, um, not great. It's the hottest place in the entire world. The stadium wasn't wasn't very good, and no one went to the game. The city itself is okay. Um, the Syracuse Stadium was bad um, in AAA until they redid it recently. I think the last one or two years when it's it's been redone, I guess it's a little bit better now. But I didn't like going there, even though the, that's probably the best hotel in all of AAA. So I got fairly lucky with my cities. I know there's some nightmare towns out there, but that, the Appy League, the Appalachian League, where that, where that rookie ball is, has some, has some pretty rough spots in it. Do you have any funny stories in your minor league career? Because hypothetically speaking, we've had some absolute fucked up stories where fans have climbed light poles with machetes. We've had fans climb light poles <laughs> on a wedding party with no security at the game, just lets the guy climb the foul pole and get a snapshot story. We've had fans wait outside of buses to fight players. Like, do you have any stories along those lines? <laughs> I'm trying to think. We had a we had one night in Lehigh Valley um, in 2019. We we're just kind of playing the game. It's like the third or fourth inning or something. And this random lady, just like like I don't know, 40, 45 year old woman, just kind of wanders into our dugout and sits down <laughs> on the bench. And everybody's just like, "What is? Does anybody know what's happening? Like, this, is she supposed to be here? I don't know why she's here." Um, everybody, you know, there's like. Two or three minutes, everybody just kind of looking at her. She's just literally sitting on the bench, chilling like it's normal. And finally, our manager comes up to her. And she's like, "Hey, I think like I don't think you're supposed to be here. You should probably go." And she gets really confused and, and kind of finds her way out of the dugout. But come to find out, she was sitting in what's called the dugout suites, which is like a little suite area down by the thing. So she saw signs that were pointing to the dugout, which is where she thought she was supposed to sit. So she just wanders down the tunnel in Lehigh Valley, takes like a right turn, which she's supposed to go left to the dugout suite. She follows the sign to dugout to this says dugout. She takes a right turn and just figures that she has these super like exclusive tickets. And she just gets to sit in the dugout that night with the players and just kind of hang out. So we had, I don't know. So we just had this lady kind of for you know two or three 
two or three minutes, 10 pitchers or so, just kind of sitting in our dugout, hanging out with us, kind of, you know, chatting. That's, see, there's no other legal, there's no other league on planet earth that would happen. I mean, right, just that's minor league baseball. It's absolutely, what a fucking story that is. That is incredible. I mean, so is Lehigh Valley actually, I heard, I heard Lehigh Valley is actually not that bad of a place to play. Like, is it nice? Lehigh Valley Stadium is awesome. Yeah, they got a really good park there. Uh, the city's whatever, it's a bunch of, or where we stayed. It's just a bunch of chain chain restaurants, restaurants, Blaze Pizza, Red Robin, things like that. So nothing crazy, but I mean the stadium's really nice, and they they get good crowds. So they do a good job with the you know the, the game production and things like that. So it's yeah, it's not a bad place to play at all. And you want to talk about some golf courses there? There is some tracks in Lehigh yeah. Valley, dude. Uh, that whole league, the um, I guess it was the the international league at the time, has some really good golf cities. Rochester's a really good golf city. Um, Lee has got some spots. There's some spots in and around Scranton that were pretty good. Columbus is an incredible golf city. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of really good golf courses in, the, in that league, um, which was the international league. I guess it's now AAA East or whatever. But yeah, there's some good spots. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Is there, because obviously, like, we, we have a couple guys from the desert that come on the show, and they're, they're used to golfing with no trees, and, like, the courses are not really as green. Is it like that in Tennessee, where, where like, we're close to your home, where you're golfing at? Right now it is, because we're all, it's all Bermuda down here, so. Um, just because we can't keep bent grass alive in the summers for the most part because it gets too hot. So it's all, all the courses are Bermuda, which means it goes dormant in the winter, which means you can, yeah. it's very playable, but it, it goes with the light brown color, the tan color. That's kind of what happens in the winter once it gets colder. Um, but I mean, I'm still, we're still playing two, three times a week down here when it's warm enough. But yeah, it, it goes brown. The, the Bermuda goes dormant. It's honestly fun to play in for a little bit. It gets a little wet at times, but when the Bermuda rough goes dormant, it kind of just like becomes where it's not really rough. So it's honestly just like a ton of fairway, um, which is kind of easy to I'm season play on, but uh, I, I enjoy it. So it's a, you know, it's a good, good golf area down here too. Dude. Yeah. Burger sends me some, I mean, I've seen some pictures of you guys playing. I mean, these courses you guys play at are absolutely fucking sick. Like Nashville, I've never been to Nashville. I've been to like Vegas, all those areas, stuff like that. But Nashville is just a whole nother beast. And I wanted to talk about burger. I don't know if you saw this, because obviously our friend Jake Berger is on Cameo now for people wanting to book Cameos. And a guy by the name of Carlos Radon put him in just one of the biggest body bags. Have you, did you see this story? So I saw, I, don't, I saw something about it. I didn't, I haven't asked Jake about it. I didn't dive into it to really know what was going on. I think I just saw like a, a, uh, a thumbnail picture or something like that. But I didn't really get what was going on. So what happened was <laughs> Carlos Radon's buddy bought a Cameo from Jake to give to Carlos, like, and he had no idea. Jake had no idea. Jake was like doing like this heartfelt message on, you should stay with baseball. You have a great <laughs> slider, all this kind of stuff. Maybe you can get me out with a slider. And he had no idea it was for Carlos Redone. So Carlos posted it and just, I'm assuming it was one of the most embarrassing things of all time because he's making a genuine cameo and it just got blasted on social media saying thanks jake and it's from carlos it's one of the funniest things of all time that is i'm gonna have to go watch the video now because i didn't <laughs> see it that is really funny though. it is one of the most heartfelt cameos for no reason like Dude, literally a nice guy though right yeah. anything jake delivers is going to be like from the heart and, and sincere so i can imagine that that's pretty it's pretty funny and you guys have a good crew down there man i believe it's all the guys in the blood so agency right so it's like kevin you and uh bergs 
what's that? What's the BP like there? You guys keep it loose, or is it like competitive as fuck when you guys are going off the machine or working out or any of those or any of those things? No, it gets pretty competitive um, for sure. It's it's a really cool environment because obviously we all want each other to get better, and we're all trying to help each other with things and and kind of build off each other to all improve. But at the same time, you know, we'll get the Rapsodo going. We're just giving us exit velocities and, and, and distances and things like that. So we'll play all kinds of games. We get really competitive. We got a really good really good group of guys that you're talking about with some really good players. So it's uh, it gets fun and it gets really competitive. Yeah, no, dude, that group is electric. I mean, Kevin's such a good dude as well. Obviously, he's a good friend of this podcast. Um, what's – I mean – so who's lifting the most out of you three or just at, in the facility period, like in the agency, who's the, who's the big dog on campus throwing up the biggest weight? Jake's pretty strong. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll be, I'll be candid. I don't think, I think I moved most weight in the weight room. Really? <laughs> yeah. About, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I think they'd agree with that. Um, Jake is, Jake is good at very specific things. Um, lifting wise, he's really quick twitch. So he does some things really well. Obviously it's one of the reasons he, he hits as well as he does just because his hands are so fast. He's got so many quick twitch fibers in him. But as far as just strictly lifting weight, yeah, I think I can put up more than about anybody we got down here. Like, who's the morale guy there, though? Like, who's the guy that's keeping the locker room loose, keeping the facility loose? Like, who's that guy that's just the 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 the, the, the jester in the room? We got a bunch of those guys. Jake's one of them, man. Uh, Kev's awesome. Jake is you know, just happy, super happy-go-lucky guy all the time, which is funny because I didn't know Jake in college. I've seen new object in college um, when he was, you know, one of the best hitters in the country for three years in Missouri state. And I just, he always had a big beard when I saw him. I just kind of thought he was this like big rough, like dude from Missouri who just raked and hit a bunch of homers. And then I met him and he's just the exact opposite. Uh, he's as nicest, nicest guy in the world. Just like super, super happy, go lucky every day. And awesome to be around really good morale guy like you're talking about. So it's kind of funny what he actually is versus what my initial impression of Jake. He's just, be. he's such, he's such a good dude. Like yeah. Bergs is just an unreal guy. And that cameo story is as perfect as a guess <laughs> because he's obviously on cameo. He's doing all these shadow stuff like that. Credit to him. And he's just given a genuine shout out to a kid. That's I'm pretty sure the description is, the kid is contemplating giving up baseball for football. So the purpose of the cameo is to convince him to play baseball. Did he give him a fake name? Like No, he said Carlos. There was no Radon at the end of it, though. <laughs> so he's, like, talking to Carlos, telling him to stick with the game of baseball. You have a great slider or something That's like awesome. that. And it was just one of the best pranks of all time. That's how you get a guy, though. Like, the cameo yes. stuff is absolutely incredible. You just do it for the fantasy football leagues, all that kind of stuff. So I love to see it. So I'll, I'll just, yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about is our, our guy, a, a fellow, another friend of the show that you play with, who's one of the biggest characters in baseball, Randy Dobnak, friend of the podcast. What's it like being teammates with Dobbs? I mean, this guy, he, you, you saw the getting roasted with the Uber driver shit at Yankee stadium. He's just one of the, I don't even know what this, I mean, he's just, he's just a different dude. I mean, what's it like playing with, with Dobbs? Yeah, I mean, you talk about um, morale guys and guys who keep the, the locker room upbeat and lighthearted all the time. That's I mean, that's, that's what Randy is, man. He's a definition of that. He is an unbelievable teammate. He's obviously one of my really good friends and a guy I spend a lot of time with. But the the whole, you know, everything that he, like, kind of portrays himself to be on social media, just kind of this lighthearted kind of jokester, clown guy, exactly what he is. He's uh, a guy you always want around you in the locker room in the clubhouse, just keeping the team chemistry good, keeping the morale up, and he's really fun to be around. Yeah, and he's also like a good pitch. Like, I mean, he's he had a he was out of down year, but he was battling injuries and all that kind of stuff this year. He's a good pitcher, man. I mean, I'm excited to see what oh, yeah. he does next year. He's not a fun to bat at all. He's yeah, he just he just his whole like he just his whole the way he composed himself on the mound is I feel like a nightmare to hit against. Who's one pitcher that you've played against this year or in your career so far where it's like the hardest to hit against or see the ball or even compete against? I think the guy I struggled to see the most this year is probably Giolito. Um he, he threw really well against this one game, and for whatever reason, uh, I, I couldn't pick him up as long as I had some other guys. Uh, he, he was able to kind of shut him down. But, um, you know, there's, there's several guys in minor league things like that. You, for whatever reason, you don't kind of see as well as other guys. You know, some guys that you're super confident going up against. But, uh, you know, he shut me down this year. He made some really good pitches to me. I think he was probably the toughest at that I had uh, at times of figures. And, and in big leagues, you visit all these cities, all that kind of stuff. And what, what's your favorite city to visit so far during your career? Like the best views or just like the best food, any of that stuff? Yeah, I love Boston. Um, going to Boston is really fun. It's, it's obviously Planet Fenway is awesome. 
Um, and then the city is really cool. I like the, the historic aspect of it and things like that. I had a lot of fun in Boston. Toronto was really fun just because that was my first time in Canada. And we had a really good time in Toronto playing there. They had a really good atmosphere because they were kind of, that was right at the time they were kind of trying to chase down the Yankees for that wild card spot. So it was a really fun atmosphere at the Rogers Center. And obviously the city's super cool. We had a, a couple of really good restaurants. So I enjoyed going to Toronto too. I think those are the two that probably stuck out to me the most. Um, from this past year, I, we went to LA kind of when the COVID stuff was still a little bit more heightened, so we couldn't really do anything there. So I think Toronto and Boston are my two favorite trips. Yeah, Toronto is just always just obviously I'm biased because I'm from here, but Toronto is just absolutely electric. I, I love the yeah, city, it was, it was really cool. and the fans are absolutely fucking psychopaths too. Like they're the fans yeah. are crazy. Well, so what was it like playing alongside JD and seeing the reaction that he got there? Because I know him and Vladdy did that thing where they exchanged jerseys at the end of the game yeah. and got that unreal picture. What was, like, the reception like for uh, J.D. there? Oh, it was unreal. They uh, they gave him a standing ovation of just about every bat he had for three games. And I think one of the first two at-bats he had that, that first game, um, he hit a homer, which was awesome. It's always, it's always cool to, to see a guy that's, that's so beloved in the city perform so well for a city that he gets cheered even when he goes back on the road there when he has success. So, uh, he got a standing ovation pretty much every bat, and he hit a homer. Uh, I think he hit two that series, and he got a bunch of applause both times. It was pretty cool to watch. Did he tell you like any stories about the playoffs there, or like just like what the what the stadium's actually like with the when the fans are there, like when it's packed? Oh yeah, he, he, he said because they they were obviously still like at fifteen thousand max capacity or something, so it was it was the bottom was pretty full. But they wouldn't let anybody in the upper deck or anything like that. He said, well, they close the roof and that place gets rocking in a big, in a big situation. It's one of the loudest places in the league. That's, I believe 100%. I love JD, dude. I hope hopefully fucking – because he tweeted. He said he's coming on the podcast soon. I don't know when soon is, but I'm letting it slide. I did a funny video to get him on that was electric. I thought he would see that as <laughs> – I'll show you the video later, but no, yeah, I, he'll, he'll come on. I mean, he's so fucking cool. He's so funny, just just an electric guy. But yeah. who's who's it? What's it like playing for Baldelli? I, I think he's on, he got an extension, right? Uh, yeah, I think. I don't know. I already so. signed there a long time. I don't, I don't remember, but so, I know yeah, he's, I know he's there for a while. Several years at least, and I would anticipate it being much longer. I mean, he's awesome. He's everybody loves playing for me. He does a great job managing the clubhouse, the dugout, and things like that. And I think. uh you kind of see the new wave of like younger managers coming into the game. I think he's kind of at the he was kind of the leader of that. I'm kind of the first really young guy to get hired to take over the team. He's done he's done an incredible job so far. I love playing for him. So let's go into your big league career so far. Obviously, like I said, we're we're gonna start putting people in body bags on Twitter once that Mississippi State success comes in hot here. So I mean, what what was the biggest adjustment that you kind of noticed from AAA from your college time to the show? Was it just like pitchers hitting spots more religiously? Is the stuff nastier? Like, what is it? So yeah, I mean, once you get to the upper levels of minors and double and AAA and the big leagues, besides like the outlier guys, right? Besides the Grom and and Aroldis Chapman, these guys just have like completely off the charts, otherworldly pitches. The stuff is mainly the same as far as you know, day in day out kind of pitcher you're seeing. Pretty much the same. It's just as you advance levels, the guys know how to use their stuff a little bit better. They can locate it better. And then at the big leagues, man, the the scouting reports against you are so in depth and so detailed. These pitchers have just unlimited amount of information on you as a hitter. You know what your tendencies are, where your swing flaws are, things like that. And they just they have the ability to kind of look at that, read the scouting report, and then exploit those weaknesses and take advantage of what you don't do as well. And that's that's kind of one of the biggest adjustment lies I think is. How much information is available to pitchers and hitters too? And we have the same thing. You know, we know all tendencies, what pitches look like, how they move, and things like that. So just the amount of information is the biggest difference, I think, once you get to the big league level that that the guys have against you and you have on guys as well. And it just kind of makes it a little bit tougher to to consistently do what you want to do. But also, that's all part of the game. That's part of the, the learning process, and it's something I'm looking forward to kind of diving into and get better at. Yeah, like what what, what was one stretch there? Or just like the most confident you felt so far in like your big league career? Like, do you remember a specific month or a couple months so far? Because obviously you have a short career so far, obviously. I think it's like two-year career. So was there a, a stretch there where it was like, man, this hitting shit's easy. I don't know how you guys can't do this shit. Like, how, did you have a stretch where it was like, man, this is fucking all day? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a really good series against the Rays. I definitely played after the Rays. I had probably a lead for I was playing it really well. I think we had Rays at home with the Indians at home where I hit several homers, hits and doubles, and it was just kind of locked in. I think, I mean, anybody who hits at that level is going to tell you you have times where you kind of 
take a step back. Like, I'm, I mean, I think I'm the best hitter in the world right now. Like, I'm never going to get out. Uh, I see every fifth break, and I, I, I'm just locked in. And then you'll have a week later where you're kind of said that. Like, man, I may literally never get another hit in my entire life. Like, I don't know how. Like, I, I can't see the ball. It's moving 15 different directions. I can't find the barrel. It's just that's that's what baseball is. It's a game of ups and downs. And the more you can manage them, the more you can make confidence throughout the downs and, and level-headed throughout the, you know, the, the high times is what allows guys to have a ton of success. So. Um, I did have a, a couple of good stretches there, you know, when I was at the end of July, the end of the season, where, where I kind of showed myself that I had the ability to do it, right, and do it at a high level and do it consistent, consistently. That's, and that's motivating for me to work and improve things I'm not as good at to give myself more opportunities to have that success more often. And you honestly, like, this is off topic, but you have a number that is very underrated. I've never, I don't think I've seen a big leaguer like, how, like with that. Now, wh- wh- where's what's the origin of number fifty here? Is that was that given to you, or what's like what's? Oh the- yeah, no, that was that was given to me. Um, so I will not be number fifty next year. So look out. Whoa! Uh, Whoa! Yeah, next, <laughs> jersey change. Uh, that's not official yet, obviously, but it's in the works. Um, but I think I mean you look at you, re- you don't realize that Mookie's fifty. Right, True. It's, kind of, it's a number you don't think about that much, but yeah, I mean, Mookie wears fifty, and he does pretty well on it. But no, that was just assigned to me um, during my second camp, so that's kind of what you what you get when you come back up until you reach a level where you're comfortable enough to request a jersey change. Which I, I, I got to a point this year where I was I was comfortable enough to text our clubhouse guy and, and request a, a number change. So we'll be we'll be uh, wearing something different next year. So I'm excited about the fifty. Da-da-da. Suck on that, Jeff Passon. Suck on that, Ken Rosenthal. We yeah. got it. We got it. Breaking news. That's a big one. Yeah, no Holy last people looking out for that one. That's a. That's a. Yeah, it's gonna be a hot story. Credit us, Fox Sports South or whatever the fucking <laughs> twins do it. I mean, we did it. We got it. Brent Rooker will be changing that's his number. Breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! What a time to be alive. What a time to be a fan of this podcast. We just heard it here first. That's incredible. Do we have some numbers in mind? Like, what are we thinking here? Yeah, no, I've got one. I've got one picked out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that. You know, we'll keep that in the wraps and let it come so, out. So yeah, just, honestly, if I'm you, I'm like I said, I'm your new social media guy now. Don't even announce it. Don't wear it ever. Like, I want it on opening day. I want you to just when you yeah. run out of that tunnel, it's just a reveal. Like reveal. it's like yes, every it like the hype up. It's like what number will it be? Like just slow mo. <laughs> Just Brett and Rooker, right when you step foot on dugout, the crowd goes bananas. He's oh, number one. Imagine the anticipation. Yeah, it's gonna crazy. be That's honestly. Crazy. I'm gonna pump this up on the official official pod Twitter to make it look like it's like a Hall of Fame induction. I am so fired <laughs> up for this number reveal. It is gonna be incredible. Maybe I might do a giveaway. Awesome. I might do a giveaway. <laughs> I'm fired up for it. And then so obviously a couple more things here. So Going into this offseason, you're unemployed, so I want to apologize for that. You're unemployed. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're unemployed for that. Over, under, do you think you guys play the season? Like, what's going on there with it? I mean, obviously, you're playing the season, but is it going to be delayed maybe? Maybe a lockout? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't, I don't have any inside information for you there. I know that we, as players, are working as hard as we possibly can to play a full season. Um, that's what we want. Obviously, that's what, that's what we know the fans want. Um, so we're going to do – Everything in our power to make that happen um, as far as negotiations and getting this thing done um, goes. So that's what we're all hoping for. That's what we want. Um, we want to give the fans, obviously, the best product possible. And we know that that means playing a full 162-game season like they're like they're used to and like they should be used to. So that's kind of where we're, we've stayed in negotiation things. But um, I just know as, as from the player side that we're doing everything we can to make sure the, the entire season happens. But hear me out. I mean, hear me out. 162 games? I mean, do you want to do that? Like, that's a fuck ton of games. I mean, obviously, you've done it for a while. I mean, it's a lot of games. You're yeah, used to it. Seen. It's like, yeah. what are we doing here, man? I mean, maybe shorten it down. And I might get roasted here. I'm a baseball guy. Just keep that in mind. 132, maybe add two teams to the playoffs. Let's let's spice things up a little bit. Because 162, I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't know how you guys do it. I have no idea. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a very long season, but... Um, you know, thankfully the, the training staff is so good at this point, the strength staff is so good at this point, the guys are able to stay fresh and stay healthy for a lot of that season, which is which is pretty crazy and pretty cool at the same time. But I mean, it seems it seems like you've got some good ideas. So if you want to shoot some emails to 
to Rob and other guys involved in CBA negotiations. You just kind of send some ideas their way and see how they react and see, you know, see how they take it. Well, I have a couple things, and I'll, maybe we'll I'll fly it by. I don't know if this is in the CBA negotiations. I actually – I think I heard this on part of my take, but I agree with it. One, you get to fight one fan or umpire a year. That's just that's just a given. So let's per player? Say, per player. So per okay. player, you get one. Brett Rooker, you get one. So, like – It'll be like, I don't know how to classify this. So when you step up to bat, you have like a little star under your name. That's it. Yeah. So like, that's when the fans are like, oh my God, Brent Rooker has one fan or umpire fight left this year. Will he use it now? Is a fan getting in his ear in Boston? I love that rule. I would love to see one of those little nerds in like California coming out. Yeah, as a guy, I mean, as a guy who plays outfield, like you, you just take it out there, man. Like you get worn out all game long, every city you go to. I kind of like that idea, which is it might quiet some. You gotta, I think the secret would be to keep the star the entire year and make sure everybody to keep guys, you know, at bay the whole time, knowing that that's a threat, that that's a possibility. Because yeah. the second the star gets gone and you use it, you take that one fight. The rest then of they the can just let it fly. Then yeah. they can really let it fly. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's just absolute genius. But I think you get one a year. Maybe Angel Hernandez wouldn't be able to walk by the end of the year because some of the shit that I've seen that guy do all behind home plate is mind-boggling. Have you come close to actually – are you on a first-name basis with some of these umpires now? I know a few of them. Um, so it's been like a, a few of them, the younger guys in the league, I've kind of had in double-A and triple-A. So that's when you kind of get to know some of the guys. And you can see them come up at the same time, which is cool. Um, obviously, you've seen those guys you know, achieve their dream and do what they want to do too, which is, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I know a few of them. Um, I played first a little bit in the minor leagues, and you obviously become a little bit closer with umpires and you're playing first base, running the outfield because you can talk to them throughout most of the game. Uh, but I know a few of them. Um, but, you know, the, the, obviously the umpire player relationship is a very interesting one. And, and it's it's a tough job and they're doing their best. But it, it gets frustrating at times, no doubt. Have you had the luxury of playing in front of uh, Joe the Cowboy West? I think I had Joe behind the plate for one game towards the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I love him. He has a country album. He is just the uh, he's uh, the biggest eye guy on planet Earth. I love Joe West. I'm all in on Joe West. I was talking to the veterans. Obviously, the guys have been on the league for eight or ten years. Always have the best stories. There's a lot of funny Joe West stories out there about him just saying some really funny things and, and talking to guys. So he's I, just uh, like yeah. Hey. He's the common man. He's the common man umpiring. And this is the second last thing I wanted to bring up. And you might get roasted on this, mate. This and for fans coming in on this, this is maybe something you can look into. Why is your Instagram DMs locked? Is that not? No, they are. No, 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 no. no, They are. I get requests today. Like I get requests. I mean, I I don't. They don't come straight to my inbox, but I get requests all the time. I don't know why that wasn't working. I because I know I I get requests because I literally got one today. I don't know. They go to my, like if, if, I think it's if you're not following me, they, or I'm not following you, or whatever it is. They go to my request folder. So, yeah, some may say it's not a backbone. I mean, so what are we what are we doing here? I mean, I follow it. So, listen, three people listening. It's Brent Rooker 19 can't receive your message. They don't allow new messages requests. What's up with that? I don't know, no, I don't know what that is because that is, that is not the case because I literally have a message in my requests right now. All right, so if okay, so people coming at Brent, are they going to try to say he's 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 shook, he's scared, all that kind of stuff? Just know his his DMs are open. He's not hiding. They go from to my requests because I read them because I love the occasional death. Okay, well, when it's you not, have a, when you okay, have a bad not, game and you lose. I, listen, I respect that, and I will, and maybe one day once we get close enough, and I'm just not a CC guy on your Twitter, I will respond sure. through all your DMs. That'd, yeah, that'd be perfect i will fucking put these guys in absolute body bag just cc me maybe put that on your twitter box your twitter bio is a lot of shit right now just (laughs) all angry cc all angry messages will be cc'd to at a fish on a fish pod so if someone tries to roast you they have to just tag me and i will i will respond i will respond to it you can make a career out of that I could make her out of that. Like I said, every guy we've had over 100 guests on this show, humble brag. I go to bat for these guys. If someone comes at you, I will put them in my back pocket. And and, and here's a little here's a little tidbit for you because you're like I said, you like to put guys in body bags like I do. When someone trips you on Twitter, and let's just say they're not the best looking dude of all time, all you got to do is is zoom in on their Twitter profile picture, like just tweet their profile picture and just absolutely blow them up. It's one of the no meanest problem. things. Yeah, no caption, 
just that. Just it's like, one of the meanest things of all time. Like, like it, it doesn't get meaner. It, like honestly, it gets to the point when I do it, I feel really bad about it because I'm like, ah, this is very like. For instance, this guy chirped me on Twitter. And I just zoomed in on his face on his profile picture. It's one of the meanest things of all time with no context, but it just, it really puts guys into like perspective. Like I look like this and I'm chirping. I can't be doing that. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's one of the most humbling things of all time. So maybe add that into your arsenal and we'll figure that out. And the last thing I want to bring up is obviously next year, we're going into a season. Hopefully it starts in April. Um, What are your specific goals going into next year? Are we trying to lift the average OBP up, OPS? I don't know what OPS even means, but what's something – do you have, like, actual goals where it's numbers-wise or just, like, you want to feel good at the plate? Oh, man, so, in, I mean, in general, right, the goal one in spring training is make the team. That's, that's first and foremost is get on that opening day roster, um, prove that during camp and during spring training that I'm going to be able to help the team win and contribute enough to, to justify myself being on that roster. And then from there, to do whatever I need to do to establish myself as – you know, as, as a guy who's going to play in the big leagues, he's going to compete, he's going to contribute, he's going to be a very um, uh, a productive big league hitter, right? And that's that's doing whatever I need to do, whether that's, you know, probably working, cutting down a little bit on strikeouts, getting contact up a little bit, keep, continue to do what I do um, when I make contact, which is do damage, just hit double, hit homers, drive and run. That's what I'm, that's what I'm good at. Um, so there's things offensively and things defensively as well that I'm just going to work to improve on to – to do what I can. So, like I said, first thing first, make that team, got me over near Oscar, and then just earn as much playing time as I can to, to establish myself and to prove that I can contribute to the high level on a day in, day in, day out basis. Because that's, that's what we all want. And that's, you know, that's the, that's what you got to do in order to have success in this league. Because getting up there is one thing, and then staying, staying there is a whole different thing. And then it's, it's even harder to stay there than to get there for the first time. So, whatever I got to do to prove myself and establish myself as a, as a you know, full time. And one thing that people have to really look out for is, is the element that's like, you can't really teach it. It's the dad strength. Like I said, you just, had sure. child, you just had a child. I'm yeah. going to start doing this. So when people start making their preseason project, pre, pre, prediction, sorry, for you and for the twins, I'm going to quote tweet and say, but you have to take into account the dad strength now because right. the dad that's strength. You might that might add ten nukes to you, man. I mean, you it's have that, a that's child. An extra, that's an extra homework for sure, man. You know, you get dude, your shoulders get worn out carrying a little baby around all the time. You, you definitely add some strength to the upper body, so there's no television. You're looking like Tiger post accident, but you you, you didn't have an accident. It's just just straight up. You just had a child. Like I'm fired up for it, and I can't wait to be like. I'm going to do a home run counter home runs after child. We're not going to like last year. I don't even remember. You can't really count it. The child's really young, but when the child starts getting there in like the mid months, the hot, like the yeah. years, yeah. God damn pray for the AL central. I mean, you're going to be absolutely <laughs> just pray for the AL central. The dad strengths coming in. And this is the last thing here. What's the handicap on the golf course and be honest, because like I said, I think I'm, I might be coming to Nashville next month to golf with all you guys. Cause I think yeah, I, I, I talked about it with burger. Um, I have to. I don't know if I can. I'll figure something out. I might have to sleep in the vehicle, but we'll figure something out. What's the What's the handicap? I'm a two point nine right now. That is just absolutely fucking idiot. I played so bad yesterday though, so I don't want to talk about yesterday's round. I was spraying everywhere. I couldn't make a putt, but I played. I played well for the most part of the off season. I'm down to two point nine, which is the lowest I've ever been. So I'm gonna keep working to improve. Because um, it's, I mean, it's something that like I, I really golf is something that I'm like actually passionate about. I don't just play it because it's fun or just go out and hang out with the boys or whatever. Like I want to be good at it. Um, I practice. I try to learn stuff. It's like it's a thing that I want to pursue and actually be competitive and be good at. Um, so it's it's something that I like a lot. So I, you know, I, I work with it. Good I respect that. So you're so you're just absolutely body bagging burger because he told me he shoots like nineties. Yeah, I'm, I'm not better than Jake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's very Jake's very fun to play with. Though. He, I'll tell you what, he hits, he hits some of the furthest, like unnecessarily far long irons you've ever seen. Like, he's hitting four irons like 270 just for no reason. But I mean, he'll get into one occasionally and just nuke a four or five iron like you've never seen. Good for uh, him. Like airmail and greens by 20, 30 yards, pitch and center, things like that. But Jake is, like I said, Jake's awesome to be around anywhere. So he's fun to pick off with too. What a lecture. That is just absolutely dynamite. And Frazier actually told me he shoots high nine or mid to low nineties too. Have you got the Frazier? I've never played with that. I know he plays a lot. I've actually seen him play today on Instagram. He's on Steve's dope. But 
I've never played with him. I need to though, because he, he's obviously local here, and that's the one that connections. Yeah. So we'll figure something out. If I come down, and we'll, we'll do maybe a scramble. I'm not playing with Bergs because, like I said, me and Bergs are – it actually will be more even if it's me and you versus Berger and another stick. And then well, so Kevin, that, Kevin can play a little bit. Kevin's pretty good. Yeah, Kevin. Okay, fine. Me and you versus Bergs and Kevin. Yeah, Kevin's and not bad. Kevin's actually just good at everything. He's an NFT guy yeah. now. He's dialed in. He's like a business owner. Kevin just dialed in on everything. Good for him. But we'll figure something out, man. But anyways, boss, like I said, CC out of fishing official pod. Any inquiries about roasting him? If, if you want anything out of him or if you want anything out of Rooker here, if you want to roast him, anything along those lines, you have to CC us. Um, that's that's just how it's we do it now. It's just... I wish you could just direct tweets to us just direct. Like if someone ever tagged you, it's just, you're not tagging Brent, you're tagging us. But anyways, man, it was a pleasure to have you on. I had to get you on You're a fellow. I mean, I kind of adopt you as a Canadian here because you're kind of, you have those customs, you golf. I saw you tweeting about hockey the other day. I mean, that's just what you do. You're I'm going to adopt you as a Canadian. You're my adopt the Canadian. Brent Rooker is now an adopt the Canadian, put in your bio or whatever, but I'm um, fired up for you, man, to see where you go here. And, Obviously, next year we're about to absolutely body bag the haters. I'm fired up for it. And, we'll, and when you come to Toronto, we'll have a beer. I think you guys – do you guys come to Toronto next year? Do you know? Yeah, we, I don't know when, but we do. Okay. All right. So. All right, man. Thank you for doing this, brother. I appreciate it. This was electric. Yeah, You're electric. Appreciate you having me. Have a blast. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially on official pod. Thank you.